Welcome to the State of the Markets podcast. I'm Paul Rodriguez of thinktrading.com. I'm Tim Price of pricevaluepartners.com. And our very special returning guest is the market sniper, Francis Hunt. Francis Hunt, welcome back to the show. Delighted to be with both of you. Thanks for bringing me on. It's uh, an absolute pleasure. So for people who are hearing you for the first time, could you just tell us a little bit about your philosophy, your your market analysis? Where, where What's your angle? 100%. So uh, the one thing where I probably stand out from other people uh, in the space on financial markets is that I am a macro technician, uh, or chart-driven macro uh, technician. Um, that, And I have a bespoke custom method that's referred to as the Hunt Volatility Funnel Method. This is the reason that we've been um, in two previous successful collapses of the Euro-Swiss franc. It's the reason behind making outrageously silly claims that oil would trade in single digits when it hadn't done so in 35 years. This, these, We are driven to the trade technically by the footprints in the sand as an African, uh, the chart is the closest thing I can find to real truth because it's where the money flows. And reading the chart, therefore, is more interesting than fundamental reports because I get the trade first and I've recognized to build wealth in reset times, you've not got to be in the trade and you need to be early. That doesn't mean first, it means early. Um, And as a result, that's what I pursue. And then I try guess the narrative afterwards. Generally, when people enter the investment-based markets or the trading market, they are narrative-driven and they go, what's the story? Fundamental analysis, buy the token, buy the share, uh, trade the FX, uh, or go long the indice or short the indice for that matter. So uh, inherently, I am um, uh, sniffing the dog's backside instead of uh, stroking his nose. Uh, <laughs> but that, that ask about face approach actually has served me exceedingly well in that the money talks first uh, in the markets, the positions are taken in. By the time the narrative hits and there's highly impulsive move, in terms of somebody who wants a really tight risk and an expansive upside, we chase R's, not cars. That's the dog analogy again. Um, we don't want to chase when something's moving. We want to already be in situ. Um, we are looking for very, very expansive risk rewards where we see volatility constrictions, where we can have tight risk and highly expansive moves. This is the great asymmetry event that occasionally offers itself. So less trading, more analysis, more selectivity, and then real sniping, which is why brand-wise we have the three circles, which are all sniping. Sniperdom, not because we war freaks or gun freaks, but because of the efficiency of the sniper. I mentioned before, and I'll just paraphrase super quick, 250,000 rounds fired in World War II uh, for every casualty. That became 450 to 500, half a million pieces of lead thrown into the sky for every casualty by an infantryman by in Vietnam by the Americans uh, using automatic weapons. A sniper, 1.3. So if the job is the death of an enemy, um, once again, not a warmonger, um, the efficiency is what I admire. And the reason why they are so efficient is they shoot less. They shoot far less and they pull the trigger when they're almost in their minds as close to certainty as they get. They don't shoot low value infantrymen. They take out a general, a captain, a major, a field marshal, etc. So the key thing is high value, major high value event turning. Um, for both your PL in a trading sense, but in the war analogy, uh, really setting back the enemy. Um, and as a result, for those focuses, we have the sniper, we have the market sniper, which is the HVF method. And what we look for 
We have the crypto sniper all overlapping. So they're three circles overlapping and we've aimed to put you in that sweet spot, which is recognizing what's in my worldview, a replacement financial system that is galloping up to, to, to take the load on this dying aged donkey that is our existing financial system, which has been, you know, sabotaged, broken and bent and showing its years since the Bretton Woods uh, pivot. And as a result, I see the crypto uh, realm as this beach ball that needs to expand into Jupiter. So it's a major long bias trade. Generally, people are underestimating the scale of this and many things are going to be moving on to the blockchain as a concept. So that's the crypto sniper. You have the market sniper and then the reset sniper is the study of history and who's behind this, why these things happen and what's their modus of operandus of engineering this. So that's born out of the essential um, assessment by me, not a belief, an assessment that you will never get your own money system. In other words, the generational money perpetuates that there will be a new horse and determines it. And you may think it's not controlled by them. You may think you're doing this major libertarian action that's seeing you explore this new technological realm and that, in fact, you're just being moved into the field as livestock that is slightly closer to the eventual abattoir on a nice little bit of doomsday humor for you in terms of that. So those are the three circles. And that's a quick overlay of what I'm about. So when it so when you so you're known as the market sniper and it's actually interesting that you've explained what that means because I always thought with sniping snipe in trading trading short term is called sniping as well but actually what you're saying is you're looking for high uh, good risk reward trades so big big moves so it could be long term trades uh, with, with 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 very low risk and what you were saying at the top of the show I completely understand how you're ex explaining that because I'm a technical analyst. I'm a macro technical analyst as well. So I know exactly what you're doing. You take a step back, you look at the big picture, you wait for a compression in price action, and then you're not going to be hundred percent right. Nobody ever is, but when you are right, you're very right. And you can ride those big trends. And the most interesting times come from when everything sort of moves together and you get a really good feel for where things are going. And we're going to get your views on that at the moment. But before we get to that, I'm I'm intrigued as a fellow technical analyst, but also as a as somebody, uh, you know, who wants to wants to learn more as, as always. Um, you, your proprietary model is can you tell us anything about that? Or is that a secret source thing that you only give the signals from? No, I don't play games with people. I will always give you a, a short overview. Um, people need to understand what they're getting into before they invest in something like that. Um, so I actually, on my YouTube channels, The Market Sniper and The Crypto Sniper, um, I even give a fair indication of what we're doing. Um, and if people want to get into the real minutia of the detail, um, we have an entire theory library that people work through that's professionally recorded, etc. So we're Brilliant. a studio and content creator. And then there's that entire process you go through and you're in a community where you do setups. You see other people's setups. We have a, a kind of WhatsApp chat functionality under each market. Uh, so we have an entire environment if you want to take it further, which you do from our website, themarketsniper.com. But just as a short uh, overview, we start always with a macro to micro. So if you get, uh, as a successful trader yourself, you probably um, regularly notice that the best money is made in the long term sitting, not in the jumping in and jumping out. So we're not the Uzi uh, that gets sprayed into the jungle uh, as a fire weapon. That's why we use the this, this sniper. Sniping sometimes in language, if I'm sniping in a conversation, I'm you know harassing and pinging a lot, but actually we are single shot 
uh, wait and enjoy uh, if you've got it right, or you quickly out if you're in, in an inaccurate, basically, uh, and you're off uh, with your tail between your legs, but with a managed stop. So overall, compression is very interesting. You've got, if I was to give you one word that encapsulated um, our methodology, it would be extreme volatility compression. Um, and we think in actively highly liquid, uh, good markets, that this is symbiotic of a major substantial move. So the interesting aspect of volatility, unlike the tide, the tide in the ocean, for example, seeps in and you have high tide and it slowly recedes and seeps out. That is a natural equivalent symmetrical process. The rate at which it seeps in usually is very similar to the rate at which it seeps out. In the aspect of volatility, there's a real natural asymmetry that occurs in that volatility takes a long time to dissipate. And it pauses and waves and it gets gentle and gentle. And then you get that extremity. And I'm using my hands for your audio guys to illustrate that. And then it goes super unnaturally quiet. And then something happens and that's a detonation. So there's an asymmetry in that, in that violence returns after extreme uh, low volatility. Usually the reaction is very, very violent. Now, you might say, well, so, okay, what about that? Well, the benefit to a trader is that when you're in that, you need to be early uh, is a key principle. In other words, I, I think there's a lot of dogma in traditional technical analysis that needs debunking. There's a lot of people that say, oh, and I wait for confirmation for this, and I wait for confirmation for that, and then I wait for a moving average crossover before I'll do anything. I got my signal, and there's a whole lot of people with their finger up their backside waiting around. And meanwhile, the risk-reward dynamics are being utterly spoiled. Um, so we are actually early and we accept the notion of being wrong. You don't control the future. You don't control the headlines. We are speculators. We understand that. Um, the nature of FOMO, and I'm going to just sidebar on that, um, is in essence the human biological reaction to try avoid risk because we are all inherently risk adverse, even though we have different risk profiles, by waiting for something they suspect will happen to actually commence happening so that in their mind, they have avoided any possibility that it hasn't happened and then subsequently chasing in on the event that they see as confirmation. The nature of price behavior is such and trading is that once something begins moving, your distance to stop a safe logical stop is actually expanding. The degree of reward that you may get is actually receding. So therefore the R's is reducing and the, the R that you're spending to place the trade is increasing. So you're quickly getting a progress decay uh, factor in that risk reward. So on one hand, inherently people are un, uh, behaving in one way. Price behavior also, once it breaks, regularly has return moves that will see people consistently buy tops once they see that official confirmation in their mindset that something is happening, only to see a quite a violent uh, return move or a pullback because we all have the straight line thinking of it's going to go to $100, therefore the line is a straight line from where I am now to $100, where in fact the journey path can be quite varied and can have regular pivots, pullback areas, which our method actually identifies with interim level targets all the way through. Not that we take money off at those interims, but we expect progress decay, which which I've defined as 
the market either going sideways or down and time elapsing, which if you were an option trader, for example, your value dissipates um, because of the elapse of time in the trade. But don't forget, everybody is by definition almost an option trader. If you're spread betting, you have daily costs and charges for the loan of stock. So we are interested in fast moving trades that get to where they should be going relatively quickly so that the carry cost also of trades, if you're using derivatives, if you're using CFDs, all of these people misunderstand. Uh, I mean, on a single spread bet account, I did an analysis and I had over 200 grand in um, carry costs, admittedly uh, around 50% uh, of that uh, circa just under 100,000 was trading the Turkish lira, uh, which had very high cross interest rates at a certain point. But even if we eliminate all that particular category of trading, you're paying a, a, you know, a pretty high salary to a senior manager in a, a Fortune 200 uh, company just on the cost of having those trades open. So it should be in your heart and interest of mind to get to where you're going in quite an expedient, quick time. And of course, with options, if you are using options, the volatility expands also adds value to the prices. Whether you're spread betting, you're in the trade less, you're paying less funding costs. So you want fast moving trades. This once again washes back into the volatility-based description that I'm in, that your best trades are expansions in uh, volatility. So all that we do is we specialize at being masterful about one particular thing. Specialization is the history of the industrial revolution in everything. Become very good at one thing. You do not. The people that go on a search to become traders think they have to now consume every book, read everything, know every opinion that's been squawked on CNBC and everything else, study and study and study. And in actual fact, they become very well-informed, useless traders. What actually needs to happen is you have to execute very well at one thing and you can be utterly garbage at the rest. Um, but the point is you do need to be a specialist. And the surgeon does make more money than the paramedic. Um, and this is, this is conceptually bringing all these Parallel concepts together that brings me to what I found to be the truth, certainly in terms of my performance, and I've been able to pass that on. And it's a totally transferable skill because I'm actually saying you don't have to become uh, a fully qualified economist that knows every single thing about uh, the treasury account and uh, balance sheets moving, how they move money around and all sorts of manipula. Yes, we become interested. Yes, we aren't ignorant in all concepts. Yes, I build fundamental biases and all those things. The trade is driven, though, by the technical method and the headline follows later always. So I don't know if that throws a bunch of concepts in there to uh, give a bit of enrichment to your question. Absolutely, thank you, T Tim. Uh, I've I've been hogging the mic, so I should hold. No, don't it. worry. Yeah, I I have I have one question, Francis. So, if we take the the world, the non financial world for a second, that's the world of call it news, the world of news narratives. It seems to me that half half of that or more is completely fictional. That President Trump called it fake news. That there's there's we were I was at a a, a lunch recently and. The people around said it's like half the world is mesmerized, literally under some kind of spell. So there's weird stuff going on in the world. How do you know what's real? How do you know what's not? My, by extension, my question is, how do you know which prices are, 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 are genuine? And how, and how do you know which prices are fake or being manipulated? Or, or does that not really matter if you're trading from a chartist perspective? Uh, it's a very good question, and I would say your question further endorses why I scurry to the one place where I feel there is uh, some element of truth. Anything that has a reported exchange 
is a place where things uh, trans transact and is real money being uh, paid by others. Anything that has sufficient volume means that significantly wealthy people with who are usually better informed are making significant risk-based decisions uh, and have some degree of confidence, I would say quite a high degree of confidence in their activity. That is about as close as you can hope to get to any form of truth. To honest, to honest pricing. Said, yes. Uh, and everything you said about the fundamentals is even more reason why you should be coming to my side of the camp in terms of price action is the nearest uh, true north uh, compass that we have in terms of moral imperative, in terms of factual imperative. And it's very difficult, even if we talk about dark actors or misinformation people, it's almost impossible to engineer through exchanges some fake price data where you bought something for a tenth of the price and get that passed. Because there is charts, there's data is queried, it is filtered, it is cleaned, it has to go through an exchange. An account, an associated trading account that sold and another one that bought has to be registered. That immediately identifies names of organizations, people. So it's one of the few places that's difficult to engineer uh, a fiction. Also, there's lots of other participants in the market that could end up buying when you wanted to buy cheaply if you're orchestrating some form of a conspiracy. So it's actually the least likely place for the fake uh, fake news, fake, fake price data. Um, there's one or two small exceptions that I don't like uh, and did undermine that a little bit. And that was the concept of dark pools where institutions between each other could actually uh, engage where they had supersized positions and they didn't want to spook the market. Uh, and I've always suggested that that's an incredibly devious uh, control structure orientated, non-democratic, non-price behavior seeking activity, which I've condoned. Uh, but I would still say most activity is still typically conducted through the exchange, whether you're a farmer selling grain, uh, pork bellies, natural gas by people. There's too many reporting uh, mechanisms for uh, fake news. And relative to what you described on the fundamental side and news media, it's an absolute snow white uh, in comparison to the 50 shades of gray and uh, even darker than that, that we're getting out of, uh, which I agree, by the way, uh, mesmerized, so many mesmerized people by narrative. So what ends up happening is the, the in, in any sense with any major market, as long as it's extremely liquid, you will get a divergence between the fundamentals and what the price action is doing anyway. But if there's manipulation going on, it's like, for example, if there's a certain you know electric car company where the prices are, are, are flying higher and it doesn't reflect the fundamentals, that could be something that reflects in any other market in both directions because uh, human psychology being what it is, uh, things overshoot in one direction, people get excited about things in one direction and, and it c carries on going until there's this realization that it's gone too far and then we see in the price action when that happens but that's usually when right at the end of the trend you get the most media confirmation that the trend should continue as opposed to reverse yeah so there was uh, that was a very interesting statement and i want to pick up on something in um, your statement and question for example uh, you alluded to say for example there's an individual that thinks tesla is hopelessly overvalued i this is where my reset sniper wheel exists that overlaps with the other two brands and the sweet spot 
Uh, and the way you need to reframe your mental thinking is to identify who are the captured entities of the greater transgenerational money. And you should avoid shorting them. So in your mind, fundamentally, you're thinking, say, for example, Tesla, there's no justification for how far up it went. We should all be short. It's undervalued. You'll be sucked into another taxation harvesting event where you'll get beaten. My Just as a simple narrative around that, I was short um, junk, eight high yield. I, went, I lost money on it, by the way. I had call up, uh, uh, my apologies, put options on high yield debt, uh, which should have collapsed and completely failed in the, and this was one instance where I didn't was that, did was that recently? Get, sorry, was that recently? It was uh, going into 2020 uh, from 2019 right. that captured the events of the health-based events that I'll not say any further of March 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I was short high yield debt. In actual fact, it was junk. It's called J&K. Um, and uh, the Fed actually came out and said, we will stand behind uh, this and not let it fail. And then it timed out and it never, it had already begun its capitulation as expected. Uh, and then the bank of last resort said, this may be complete garbage, but we're standing behind it. Uh, And as a result, that trade lost. And that was one instance where I bet against what I call the control structure, the Rockefeller banking money, however you want to call it. Uh, We have Rockefeller medicine, we have Rockefeller stroke Rothschild, everything. We don't need to go too much further into that. Some of your people might not be into it. But I see Tesla and the whole EV battery thing is that uh, all sorts of uh, peculiarities have been perpetuated against him without major censorship. He's almost the financial equivalent of the Clinton family. Um, And you should recognize this uh, in the same way that Kathy Wood, that would be invested in him is probably uh, has someone whispering in her ear too. So in the in the whole concept of this, Hertz was uh, went bankrupt uh, as a rental company, uh, and that the amount of junk debt that they had should have seen that uh, HYG uh, high yield debt actually fail on its own. In fact, they'd just taken another tranche of a few hundred million in um, the November of or stroke December of nineteen. And the first payment was due three or four months afterwards, and they didn't even make the first payment hurts. Um, and they were they went into chapter eleven. Um, now, more recently, uh, Hertz has reemerged with no less than Tom Brady, uh, which is the all singing and dancing NFL quarterback that never ages and keeps winning um, the the Super Bowl, uh, showing up as chief spokesman for them, and they're doing a relaunch. And further to that, they were spending money on 100,000 uh, Teslas. Well, who's resussed? Who are these shell companies that are essentially bust, that have been kept alive by a combination of the Fed holding up the junk debt markets, um, re- being provided new capital? If they couldn't run before the pandemic, what makes you think that post the pandemic, they're now going to be an amazingly efficient? Is having a fleet of battery cars going to be the difference? They're buying 100,000 uh, Teslas. Well, that pumps supposedly could never be the reason, but it, you see Tesla stock run and you're basically seeing the left hand of an octopus. Uh, I should probably say the eighth hand of the octopus throwing money at the seventh hand um, because they're both backed by the same machine. So this overall conspiratorial view, whether some people want to call it a theory or an analytical fact, I've seen enough in deep dives and many other instances that these big corporates are controlled. By the way, Moderna was entirely bust and hadn't released uh, um, a pharmaceutical product that passed safety standards in 10 years, in 10 years. 
and then committed entirely, uh, pivoted their primary function and committed entirely to uh, a vaccine creation for uh, coronavirus. So you can deduce whatever you want from that, but these supposedly almost dead shells just get revived and act and play a part and are pieces that are moved on the board by the invisible hand. So in, in, you should view this and you should actually hold your nose and be long these companies because these things will have pumpamentals. They'll be positioned to always be in the right place at the right time. In fact, this pivots to something I'll actually show you on screen and uh, an example of which one uh, I'm actually uh, will give you. So let me just do this and another example of a future potential one. And you'll often find these things showing up in memes. And it's quite ironic to discuss memes because uh, a meme token in crypto was doggy coin which no less than Elon Musk kept saying and pumping and providing news and a, and a wall of initial momentum. Remember, most of people are momentum chasers. I've just told you about don't be a dog chasing cars because that gets all vexed when it stops because it was just moving, but people chase cars. Momentum chasing in crypto is the lowest common denominator and it's very prevalent, particularly amongst retail. And if Elon Musk releases a tweet about doggy coin uh, and he throws a, a couple of million are just pushing the price, everyone else will charge in and do the rest for it. And so you get moon spike 101. Um, and these these just illustrate to me probably controlled entities that will quite possibly end up serving some purpose and have something of some worth injected into it later, but are just having market cap move. Remember, they've got to inflate a beach ball that's in the corner of the room to the size of Jupiter. Uh, that is the existing quadrillion derivatives stroke uh, multi-hundred trillion debt market. So this this little pony that's fresh has got to take over from a very sizable dying donkey, which is overloaded to have the scale that everybody needs. So you have to actually move market caps, generate liquidity, create interest, and you get what I call meme uh, memes, such as the crypto memes. Now, there's two stocks that jump to mind if I think of memes. In fact, I'll even give you a chance to uh, give me a guess which stocks lately you would consider the Robin Hood uh, stars. Well, I mean, you, at the moment, you've got a chart of GameStop. I, I don't, I don't look at anything to do with Robinhood or any sort of retail chat rooms, and so I'm, I have no idea what what that might be. But the one that comes to mind would have been GameStop. Hundred percent, a hundred percent, and that's. Uh, so I'm going to pivot you here, and many people that are serious traders will turn their noses up at this conceptually. In the same way we would have turned our noses up at Tesla's complete lack of earnings, uh, the fact that a lot of its income came from government stroke Californian uh, carbon credits, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, in the beginning while they were getting up and running. There are all sorts of um, good fortune events that just have continued to get them up. Remember the original Shortville that were murdered right down at 180. Imagine if you'd had enough money to keep holding your short position open, how devastated, how much money could have been lost we're now looking at a 1.2 trillion market cap. It's absolutely insane, um, but it's how it is. So identify uh, identify who are the playbooks in this great green watermelon communism that's being brought to us. There are going to be oligopoly companies that are being given industries almost to be giants therein. And there will no doubt be the asset holding people that might think that Elon Musk holds the predominant share in Tesla. I think you're deluded. The people that look after him uh, hold the real wealth. He's a custodian and he's a person, if you think he's running Neuralink, building a 
a rail and overseeing this and managing all the detail, plus running a, a car company, plus smoking a spliff with Joe Rogan all in one day. Uh, I've got, you know, I've got a bridge to sell you in California that's painted red that I own. Um, <laughs> but I can uh, I can say this much. Uh, he's without a doubt, without a doubt, there are people around that person. Uh, to an immense degree. GameStop has suddenly become this Robin Hood meme token and we look technically at things. And we don't, we aren't afraid to buy things that have to hold your nose. At the end of the day, if it's going to go up substantially uh, and it could build your wealth, then maybe you should get into it. A gentleman by the name of Cohen has taken it over. You've then had another gentleman by the name of Zuckerberg tell you he's changing his name of his company from a book, which is very old world of faces, into a meta Metaverse. This is the virtual reality. This is uh, where you can buy villages and thereby forfeit all things in the real world and become this owning nothing but very happy with your gamer box and your virtual reality uh, set up for you. So all of this is happening. We've seen meta uh, metaverse type tokens in crypto suddenly start running. Um, and I'm saying to you, here's an old school company that used to sell second-hand PlayStations and a couple of uh, used games that is now repurposing for some reason. And these people are all broadly connected. Plus, I'm seeing a technical setup that could see a highly expans uh, expansive move. You will be shocked that a shell business that is largely no longer appreciated could suddenly do a major expansive move, such as running to $642 when it's only at 207. HVF Method has provided me with that trade plus a stop loss plus the possibility of indeed getting the better part of a 17.38 risk reward. With overperformance, we have a separate methodology where we will hold a segment of that trade. Tesla's done multiple of these and then still continue to outperform. If you had a 30% still held from the original setup in Tesla, you would have been in sub $100 and holding something that's in thousands. Now, I'm not even too sure what the current price is. I'd need to go check. Um, which there has been a bit of a pullback. So here I'm saying to you, listen, you don't get to, you don't get to hold, to be snobbish about the possibilities and the opportunities. You must be absolutely dispassionate to anything. Someone says there's lots of credibility to buying a really serious company with real serious products and you should turn your nose up at this. This is the problem, uh, unfortunately, with being entirely fundamental. Something will happen. I want the insiders trade as the insiders are getting in it. And that's a different uh, mentality. And guess what? I write the check for it. I have a known m amount that I'm prepared to lose. That is a, a controlled percent of the total size of my spot. This is called speculating. And when you get these speculations right, let me tell you, they pay and pay and pay, and they don't stop paying. I've got uh, you know friends in South Africa that were really early Tesla investors and continued to uh, buy and hold, and uh, they are exceedingly wealthy for it. And many of us at that time were saying, how can you, how could you? Don't forget Amazon. Amazon was clearly going to become your online New World Order retail hub. Uh, and some people seem to have been given the script in the same way that Zero Hedge reported a lot of you know Israelis were buying Apple um, uh, many years ago and were told just to keep buying. Things get out. Markets show. And how do you see it? You see it in the chart patterns. Something's going to go on with GameStop. You know, you might say, I'll feel a fool telling my friends I bought GameStop. It's such a Robin Hood kiddie thing. Well, there's some Robin Hood kiddies with options that are going to make a lot of money, a lot of money on that. Here's one that maybe isn't so Robin Hood. Could, could, that could, I'll just throw just, out just before you come off GameStop, I just wanted to pick up on the point that you said 
that um, th- th- there was something going on uh, other than in the price action. What we're seeing in the price action is there was a the big volatility and then the market has been compressing into what looks like a, a very large triangular constriction. And uh, what Francis is, is saying is that from his perspective, he sees this as a potential breakout. This could break out to the upside. Obviously, this isn't financial advice, as you guys know. Um, but he's looking for a potential risk-reward trade that would suggest that this could go up a lot. So from a technical point of view, it looks very interesting. Um, and it looks it hasn't started moving yet, which is what he was explaining at the top of the show, is when he likes to uh, look at these opportunities, um, perhaps sometimes early and they don't work. But that's, that's part of his methodog- methodology. But the other... Uh, aspect of what you were saying, I was quite I was quite intrigued by the comment that there may be something going on to repurpose the company. Um, could you could you just tell us a bit more about what you what you know about that? If there's anything more that you know about that, well, as as you correctly said, um, we, we are all speculators here. Uh, this should be taken for entertainment reasons uh, purposes only. Neither you nor I are um, liable for any losses. However, inside of that. Fundamentally, we know that um, new management has been parachuted in. Um, uh, people can check uh, check that out. I think they have a special plan for this corporation. Um, you can see what's publicly announced. They don't always splurge at all in the first uh, um, instance. I think it's going to be uh, positioned for future to be at the perfect junction at some point in the future of the colliding of the metaverse crypto uh, realm and uh, virtual reality experiences for people. I think a lot more of our entertainment is probably likely to become virtual reality. A lot more of our daily lives um, are going to have virtual reality. I don't ask for this. I prefer to be on a dirt bike falling off and hurting myself if I'm stupid enough to fall off uh, and in a very real world world when I relax. Um, but, you know, there are, there, there are certainly there are certainly macro, and you, you do more broader reading around this, and some of the many transnational, like the World Economic Forum and other entities, it's quite clear that there's an uh, inherent direction that is being taken um, for uh, humanity, for which you and I aren't asking for this, but it's going to be presented. It's going to be presented, and the conversation is being steered all the time by media. It's not only that they control, they might try to control what you think, it's also that they, they are just controlling what we end up talking about. We end up talking a lot about Black Lives Matter, transgenderism and all of this, despite it being a small fraction um, of uh, people in the world that actually are confused about whether they should be peeing, standing up or sitting down. Um, but these these are the discussions of the day and they keep getting reiterated. Now, Marks and Spencers, we're talking to both of you from the UK, are now putting pronouns uh, on people's labels. I mean, the, these big corporates seem to all be dancing to a tune um, and you might not have been got it. It might be a dog whistle, it might be an invisible tune, but you can't ignore it. So that means there is orchestra that are uh, generating a path. That means at some point in the future, these things are going to be big things because the people that do these things are are omnipotent, have obscene wealth that aren't appearing in the rich list uh, and uh, uh, many organizations, in fact, holding them up on financing, uh, many of which we have inadvertently and indirectly paid for, whether it's by sponsoring wars, paying taxes, et cetera, et cetera. So you can't ignore this. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm what I call a very pragmatic black-pilled realist. 
when it comes to uh, the world. Uh, what you think is random to me was uh, more likely to have been orchestrated. Um, that might be a default that you can't accept. That doesn't mean random things don't happen. Um, we can't stumble into the plot somewhere, uh, all of that. Not to the minutia detail, but at the, the macro level, certainly. Um, and as a result, this company, I suspect, is going to be at a beautiful transaction. It's going to be kind of like you used to have the, the special store in the gold mining era that, were, that was at the four ways junction of the railroad, the, the, the wagon road and the town. And you have the only stores selling shovels in the gold rush. Um, you suddenly become a millionaire on a swarm of people from all over America by virtue of positioning in some point in the future. Um, who gave you that tip? How did you get to position it? I, my suggestion is this could be a candidate for exactly that. So that's my reset brain talking. Then my market sniper brain shows up and says, it may not be far away. Technically it's here and I've got real geometry as dictated by price behavior for both a target, a stop and a potential entry. So that is the other circle, tick the box. So that's the market sniper tick the box. We've ticked the reset box. And I think crypto universe is gonna definitely play uh, a hand on that. It's ironic that you had Apple, CEO just yesterday, major technology company on devices side now mentioning that he holds Bitcoin and Ethereum. We have our friend Zuck, who's trans, uh, changed his rather 90s named social media to a very virtual reality. Here's your future name. And I'm saying, ask no questions, tell me no lies. I'm a guessing man and I'm a speculator. Uh, fundamentally, I'm there like Fred the Bear and you've ticked all three of my circles and I want to be in that sweet spot right there. And I've got my technical setup. At the end of the day, I don't trade without it. Uh, so the market sniper has to be present and the other two are clearly there for me. Is there a reason why they would want to do this with a, an existing company that's old technology rather than just create a new company? Is it because there's, there's been so much publicity around the name that, that it now has value just because we all know it, whereas prior to this this massive pump, we hadn't heard of... I mean, I, I'm speaking for myself. I'd never heard of GameStop. I don't think most of the world had heard of it other than the people who used to use it. And now everybody knows the name. So it has some brand value because of it. Well, it's also that they, they need to start getting it into the periphery of people's consciousness. The most easily manipulated that would not think too much and just take the ride would probably be the young end of the investor spectrum. You have Robin Hood as that gateway. Um, so it gets introduced as a point of interest and a couple of bigger people whisper in a couple of smaller people's ears. Uh, and then it becomes topical punter stock. Um, and that helps start boosting already the engagement and the peripheral awareness of something rather than having to start something entirely new, entirely from zero, uh, introduce and drop an entire management team in. You can take over from the top and it can look like uh, Apple Mark II, uh, which if you remember the history of Apple and John Scully um, in the Cola Wars when he, when he stoked Scully in and Scully fired him and how it became just managed down to very little to nothing to an almost and then it was resurrected with the iPod and then the iPhones and the touchscreen devices and it's been the surge of innovation and this huge cash generated machine. It seems for me, and I've just given you another example of Moderna, it seems to me that this is generally chosen um, modus operandi potentially. That's speculation on my part and I absolutely admit it, but I'm seeing patterns in all sorts of things that most people don't even see as uh, ironic. Um, so for me, it's interesting. In fact, talking about Apple and 
and devices. Let me just transition, and this will further embellish this whole narrative. Uh, and there's some similarities that will uh, maybe enrich the GameStop view. This, and I'll show you the monthly chart on this. This is uh, a device that many people used to talk about. Many of you might have had it at one point. I even had one um, that was BlackBerry, BB. I had this the just, I had the original one of the original ones. I used to love my BlackBerry. I still do. I still love the real keyboard. They, I miss it to this day. I love real keyboards, full stop. Uh, and uh, I agree with you. There was something reassertive about a proper, clear um, pushback against your thumb and a clicking of a keyboard uh, that I think is a diminished experience on touch screens. But anyway, uh, the, the world has decided what is the most efficient. I mean, technically, analysis incredibly compliant. Falling wedge. After a little boost, major setup, very low volatility. Note the low volatility. If you were a trader from going back right to the years 2000, very low volatility basing. Then the beginning of a bull market move. I'll change colors to green to keep everybody non-confused. Then a clear continuation pattern setup. Um, as a technical analyst, you'll appreciate this as well, uh, like that, uh, with a floor base under it. Uh, in and around the 20, guess what? Law of around numbers, lots of options and derivatives would have been significant at 20. So it broke the 20, sat on the 20. Then you get another uh, pennant structure after a nice boom move. Then you get the whole bull market uh, blow off. Boom, 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 boom. And then Apple takes over. Then you get uh, a major slap in the face crash. It's the beginning of the end. You get a continuation downside, and that's the end of the story, or so some will have thought. So most of the sellers in the buy stack and the, the offer stack are gone. If you if that isn't enough to chase you out, regardless of where you got in, $150 high trading to a at one point, what's that? Let me get an actual number. I think it's around $11 uh, at its low point. What was the lay? Maybe lower, uh, $2.70. 100 by the time that's happened, most of the offer stack are out. These are long diamond hand holders, the ones that are left. Their hands are pure diamond, uh, truly. Um, they, they wouldn't sell for a lifetime of them. So that's the big story. This is a recovery call. And this is another case for me of re uh, recycling a previous tech company that's fallen out of favor and is now almost a footnote in the tech history coming back um, and dovetailing uh, with us. And we get our particular, I was just talking to my community via media about what we refer to the Spiker Mentals HVF, Hunt Volatility Funnel. The Spiker Mentals HVFs are very crypto-esque. In other words, they get due to a lack of offer in the stack. The minute people start to get a little bit interested, I'll just take the lines off for a second so that everyone just can have a clean chart first. I would certainly encourage your awesome uh, audio-only listeners to catch your YouTube channel and to subscribe there, by the way, so that they can get some of this. But we'll talk you through it so that you're not left behind. Um, but you can see a move. You can see the falling wedge as continuation. You can see the low volatility in here, then the beginning of a move, and then absolute spike of mental. It seems to an untrained eye to absolutely come out from nowhere, but then it comes most of the way back. But the difference is um, and went as high uh, as 29, almost $29 there. The difference is our floor has moved up from around the $4 level to now uh, being around the $8 level. And then you get another secondary. And we talk about the magic of three in um, uh, technical analysis. And that's something that won't be wasted on you. You'll, if you know a little bit, I'm, I'm positive you know about Elliott Wave and threes and fives, et cetera. Yeah. But this is very, very typical. And you can see the floor after the second 
spike in mental that was June of this uh, 2021 uh, year that took you then all the way up to 20. Again, fizzling down. So there's twitchiness about this. And this is what we call a low-slung spike mental HVF setup. There is a volatility constriction. It's still there, and it's happening again in what is a recovery play. And this company will be something else. And it's going to be something else that's going to be quite a bit more exciting than what it currently is, a legacy handset with a keyboard that no longer seems to have a Rizonda truck. Uh, and uh, I can see that coming. I'm looking for a third. We may have had it. It's a bit small. We might go a little bit more. but And then dissipating again back down, but coming low. So this is low slung. But the potential here in terms of uh, the move is going to be vast. And the reason to hold will be a first structure in a new trend. This is what we teach is typically, especially after macro recovery, one that will be a sustainingly good trade, stroke, even long-term investment to hold. And this is BlackBerry devices. So you now you've got a device company, you've got a legacy game-selling company, all in similar structure setups at the same time as Zuckerberg is flipping into the virtual reality space, where these, these both these companies could potentially become part of that. Devices aren't going away. The experience on devices, whether we're wearing goggles or uh, they become hologram screens or some new tech, God knows what will be the next, next uh, thing that will play out. I don't have the detail. I'm interested in what's the trade. Real limited downside with an increasing floor that's gone from four to eight to now sitting at $9, what's the downside and what's the potential upside? You must seek asymmetry in the potential reward for your trade versus the, the amount that you lose. Write a check for one R and collect 10, 20, 30, 100 Rs. How, yeah. how many times do traders and investors know their risk reward ratio? Not enough. They should be doing far less trading. So the three golden rules of HVF method for people, and I give this freely to everybody without, you know, go and do the following. Count the number of trades you've done on average over the last six months. Divide that number by three. That's your new allowed lives for doing trades. Draw them like sticks, like a prisoner on your wall. And as you consume them, they're gone and thereby trade a third of what you used to do. Rule number two of the three rules, never ever hit a market order. Never ever hit a market order. Everything is a planned shot. You sit in a sniper's uh, nest, you're waiting, there's an easy exit for you, you've been watching for a long time, you've got a clear line of shot, it's not windy or blustery where the line of shot is gonna likely take place. You have seen previous evidence that uh, troops are, are capturing there, for whatever reason, it's close to the river, they collect water, whatever the case, there's a road, etc. You know that high value targets such as captains and field marshals have written there. This is the same principle on trading. So never use a market shot. You don't show up and shoot. You plan and you set your trip wire. If you want to catch the bear, you go where the deer are drinking at the water between the two trees and you set your trip, trip wire. That's the game. So never use a market order. So that's rule number, number two. Third rule that goes with all of this that I was just stumbling on, know your risk reward before you even start. You must close at a target because things can wash out as fast as they go up, which this first spike illustrates and the second spike illustrates. Uh, you should do unless you have reasons for overperformance which we do in this instance, but otherwise you should close 100% at target and you should know your entry and your stop before the move takes place and triggers your limit order uh, or your stop order, depending on whether you're below or above the market looking for a short or a long. Those three rules, apply those 
Um, whether you choose to support me on my channels, on my Twitter, under the Market Sniper, the Crypto Sniper, will make you better. Will absolutely make you better at whatever you are doing in the markets right now. I just, Trade I, less. I just wanted to explain to people who are listening on audio only. Obviously, Francis, it's a, a great call to say please come and have a look at the YouTube cha channel. And also, it would very much help if people could subscribe there. Um, but with regard to describing the chart pattern, what we saw was BlackBerry, and we, we saw a, uh, a, a almost like parabolic rise in the price action. So Francis was just explaining how the market broke out to the upside, the little consolidations along the way. And it was literally a meteoric rise up towards... $180, where there was price action that indicated that the market would reverse, which it has done, and it's come all the way back down, went all the way back down to about $4. And then we zoomed into the chart, and the next chart we're looking at is a kind of, um, is a short, it's a much shorter term chart, but you're still seeing three volatility spikes where the market's attempted to break out to the upside, but failed, but hit support, but those supports are rising. So it's almost like compressing into something. So it's like a coiled spring at the moment. Now, obviously, nobody knows for sure where the market's going to go next, but it looks like the market's being painted into a bit of a corner. So what we're seeing here is the potential for something to perhaps break out, um, but at least the floor is rising. And this is what's drawn That's the key point. attention yeah. to this this yeah. particular market. So yeah, thank you. In other words, there's a growing amount of support coming under it. And because you mentioned a round trip to four, in actual fact, it started from four, but it returned to eight. So yeah. it's, it gained $4 despite going on a big round trip on its spike high to 30. Uh, and then the second time, it repeated the same exercise round trip to 20, just slightly less far, but this time it's now nine. So what we're actually seeing is there's clearly floor that is slowly moving up under this. And this is what gives you that low slung um, structure, which remains of interest. And that's holding up the markets. And what do they know? Um, it's not yet ready. So I call the initial spike and the secondary spike. It's almost like uh, insiders may be getting a little ahead of themselves uh, and overpaying because there's an expectation of a certain chain of events that might unfold, but no one has the exact timing thereof. So inherently, news is uh, you are not an insider and insiders absolutely exist. That's my default assumption. Uh, we've seen this with a, you know, with a Euro Swiss franc call that we've called short uh, now recently for the third time, but two previous times in 09 and in 15, which is six years apart. And now we're six years apart again. And that each time at the end of a year as well, um, with that current short call that we're making, um, the Swiss National Bank's head's wife had a forex trading account and was shorting the currency. Now, I don't think she was a trader. So I can only imagine uh, who was making the money there. You've seen recently with Fed revelations of various Fed people that they are they're certainly in the market. So this is an insider's, the pigs are eating at the trough. This is Animal Farm. You are living Animal Farm, George Orwell, Logan's Run, all of them merged into one giddy cocktail of doomsdayery and insider supremacist, uh, uh, non-symmetric, asymmetric information. Um, and my, gain, my goal here is how many normal, good, honest, straightforward people can I help catch out on what's going on at an insider level so that they can build wealth too in what is a, uh, an, an orchestrated game? Um, and that's that's our focus. 
uh, in reset times, we're going to see so much of this. And so we join, we look to join dots and we'll be wrong. We're speculating about the future, who, who won't be wrong. But probability-based assessments can be made. And as more and more facts are collected, particularly when you have a community like ours with eyes on all fronts, members in Hong Kong, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, all over the U.S., Latin America, in Northern Europe, uh, all the places where English is well spoken, we're very, very well uh, supported and we're getting intel from everybody. And many of them are from uh, very high, highly qualified jobs in tech and finance themselves. So it's you can be amazed what if you create a war room of like-minded people, you can actually uh, find. Uh, and uh, this is I love this game. Uh, there's nothing better I would do. If I was paid nothing, I'd show up here every day and talk about this. So I'd, I'd do it for nothing, and it's incredibly lucrative. But you have to develop skills, um, and you've got to see what's in front of you. If you don't want to see what's in front of you and you think it's all conspiratorial nonsense, um, then you should just muddle on. Um, I, I'm pretty I'm pretty uh, diametric on that. You know, yeah, uh, I've guessed enough things right to know that I'm onto something, so, uh, which I should never have done. Um so you have given us a couple of examples of some some individual stocks, but do you have uh, an overview of markets that you might find interesting at, at the moment? And let, were, were there any that you wanted to include, by the way, just before we 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 go to those? Yeah, we were. Uh, I'll give you I'll give you as trade based leads for your community to sniff at and take a look at or decide whether they want to engage just because I like to give as much value as possible. And I think it will turn out to be value. Uh, and if they were to take four or five of them, you know, call me on in six months and let's see how they've done in nine and I'll own them up. I'll own up to them if they all fail. Uh, but I certainly don't feel that. Overstock was another one. Um, we appeared on Real Vision um, not so long ago. Uh, they had a guy called Mark Cohedas who said, fundamentally, it's one of the best companies that's not getting the recognition. And he's been waiting, waiting, waiting. We saw the setup and we said, it's time is coming. It's going to run 160. It's having a little bit of a pullback, but a nice break. Very similar DNA, as you'll probably notice yourself. Um, uh, guys, uh, there it is. That's the squeeze. So you can see we rinse and repeat uh, what we do and we get specialists. Another one that you could consider is Sense as well. Also in that tech space, very, very clear cut uh, structure. These are highly expansive risk reward traits. Um, you don't need to get, I mean, if I'm wrong, four out of five, the fifth one will pay for all the others and some. Uh, and I don't expect to be inaccurate on four out of five. Um, so yeah, some some huge risk rewards that are that are on those. So go and have a look at. I'll say the names again: Sense, S E N S, G M E, which is GameStop, Overstock, which is O S T K, uh, and BlackBerry. Um, UEC is my uranium play. That's already a runaway success. As um, I wouldn't advise people chase the top in there. I think they're going to try rain back. But we are macro energy bulls and have been for a while. Don't forget, we were the oil callers. That's a final capitulation event that occurred. Um, uh, and that's typical of an end of trend. Again, as a as a good technic, uh, technician yourself, you'll know, for example, that you get melt-ups at the beginning of the end of bull markets and you get final capitulations uh, at the beginning of the end of um, uh, major moves. We had the major bull, the Rockefeller uh, tax, the oil market, uh, during the, uh, the wealth creation phase when everybody's property was turning into an automatic ATM and we were all at 20 apartments that we were flipping, et cetera, et cetera. That took you from the, the range that oil had been, 10 to 35, right into an almost 150 high that I'm highlighting here. That was during the 2000s. 
uh, you started, you broke out of that uh, level 2004. At 2004, you could still buy oil for $35 a barrel. And then by 2008, it had traded 145. So let's just be clear. The economy, the attacks on basic all economic activity, packaging, delivery, everything essentially was ramped. So as you were making all this money on your property, it was being skimmed back by the controllers of oil. Then you went into a huge macro corrective falling wedge which has, as ever, which we teach in HVF method, the three impulse falling wedge, which is very, very typical, back to that law of the magic uh, law of the number of three. Um, you have your super spike uh, there. You have your big pregnant stomach second interim, which was there, which ran from around 2009 to 2016. That was crisis to crisis lows, by the way. So 2009 was the bottom of misery from the 2008 sell. The 2016 was the bottom of misery as China went into hyper over indebtedness and they had the Shanghai Accord where they uh, technically uh, met and sorted things out. And then this was our call. We called two major shorts. I didn't get the first one on oil. Um, and that was in 2014 July, right there. And again, there both surpassed my my even giddy expectations for downside. So we don't just trade long here. This method works on markets going down. This method is huge for going down. Final capitulation low, end of the third impulse. You break the falling wedge. This is a clear upside. Not only did I expect this high to be taken, I expect the funnel that was created here on this downside structure, which was an ascending inverted HVF, will be taken, which will take you through the 105.10. And not only that, I expect you to surpass all-time highs. So you're hearing from me throwing out 145 will fall. On Western Texas, remember, Brent sells for a premium, uh, and we will make all-time highs, I expect, 200 and 250 in, as part of this process. It's going to be a real, real problem. It's going to be a real, real problem, and the, there's clearly a massive credibility gap between what green forces are delivering and what's still required. And by the way, some of that will be driven by carbon taxes and what you're going to have to pay uh, to actually burn uh, what is deemed the, the evil old uh, energy methods. So inflation is going to be absolutely huge problem. And I think the euro land is going to be especially uh, hurt by it because America stayed out of the Paris Accord a little bit. Everything is priced in dollars. If uh, energies go up and more people are demanding dollars to have to pay, pay for more expensive energies, there is a, a sort of a binary relationship between the, the dollar and the euro. Big corporates have to hold both. If they have to hold more dollars, they sell their euros and they're hold the dollar. So it's almost like a seesaw. What's good for one is bad for the other. I'm calling a euro crash. You're going to hear big calls out of me. That's all we ever do. Big ballsy calls. And we get and we big ballsy wrong. Um, uh, and we're okay with that because we're not afraid to be wrong. So um, just, but just, just, to summar just to summarize that, sorry, very quickly, we had, so what you said, what we're looking at here is a, uh, a long-term chart of the oil market. And we've looked at the, the big moves up to 147 and then some of the corrections. But the call f that you're making here is that we will take out 147, which was the previous high just before the 2008 crisis. And yes. And um, we also looked at the uranium chart, which has been something that uh, the the fundamental guys that we've spoken to on this uh, on small this correction uh, was UEC, yeah. uh, uranium company in the uranium space. So it yeah. wasn't a, an ETF on uranium, but okay. it's, it's very similar. Yeah. So so uranium's been a an area that Tim's been very interested in and, and some of our guests have also talked about from a fundamental perspective. But were you saying that uranium needed to correct or were you saying it will follow the path of oil? 
as well because all energies are a big pool yeah there are just in various stages of pauses for example if i just pivot quickly to natural gas for yeah. example here i wouldn't buy right now i'm on a monthly let me just drop that to a daily and yeah, take this is not an entry point but at some point this um pullback will end and you will go higher in our uh world view on natural gas so you up you know, even though it's trading at 4.945 down from over 6.5, it came from 1.5. So we, you know, we're not looking the gift horse in the mouth and it's a pullback period, um, but it will reassert again to the upside. But this one, you might need to wait. You might, might want to look to pick a bottom. I would only buy us bull in this and I would just be waiting for when does this sh shorter time frame corrective element uh, complete and when does it start to reassert to the upside so it's not an actual entry for now what i'm saying i'm talking about macro trends um and people need to always think time frame what is the statement that he's made what time frame is he referring to if i don't specify it it's macro uh, and at the moment everything we're talking is is macro natural gas is a long macro but that doesn't mean it's a buy now on the daily chart um, we need to wait for some structure. Maybe it does this, and I'm doing a drawing essentially uh, for those only listening. Maybe it does, you know, a wind up, uh, and you get another uh, continuation triangle. It could be a falling wedge. It could be any of a number of ways that uh, markets do continue. You could have a falling wedge like that, and then we could uh, bump out of that. We've shown a couple of examples already. So. That's for the market to tell me. I don't try super guess that. There's many options. So where there's lots of possibility outcomes, I sit back. This is the sniper observing. Snipers are more reconnaissance um, by activity than shooting. They shoot rarely. They watch most of the time. That's why they points of intelligence, they're high ranking and they're smart. And I want that for all of you to become snipers in the market. Um, I mean, just ripping through some commodities, uh, staying with the energy theme, you've got the natural gas, we've done the oil. Um, we can even show you, you know, lumber was very talkative at one point, but look how hard it corrected, got really jumped on. That isn't going to be the end. This will go again, despite that being an extreme correction. High grade copper. This has been in a bull run at the lows of March 20. You had it at 1.9. It's at 4.3. But is it a buy right this second? I would say no. Wait for the continuation, what I would suspect to be continuation structures to form um, and grab your trade at the right time. So you can get in lower and later, bearing in mind carry cost. Entries got to matter, hence uh, our focus on that and limit orders and everything else that I've said so far. You're chasing R's, manufacture a high R trade. So don't just buy to get in because you have the money now. Um, find something else that's current that you can get in that can do value add and come back for this one. Um, but it's going to, overall, the trend can't be argued in terms of the copper futures here. This is what's happening. It's going it's going up and it's not going to go away. And by the way, if you want all this battery, everything, you're going to need a whole bunch of it as well. So fundamentally for those, it's, it's very difficult when you're fundamental. I'm fundamental. We all love stories. This CEO, that narrative, too, it's very difficult to just go chart determines the trade. Um, it was it took a long time of flipping that. We all love the stories. If you want the story, copper, batteries, EV world, simple story. We don't have enough of it. It's not supplied enough. It's going to become a semi-precious metal <laughs> at the rate that we're going. But we when, when, when the fundamental overlaps with the technical to quite a, uh, a compelling level, surely that's, that's a very powerful um, liaison. Yes. Yes, but the technical, if it's very well set, I will buy it without having the fundamental. I'll get the fundamental later. The fundamental well set without the technical, I won't enter. 
because I could be sitting holding a bag. You go to uranium. There's been people talking about the uranium uh, trade for the last decade, that it was uh, overhung, stocks were being depleted, and you held a bag going down, 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 down. Now, you're eventually right. Boy, how did you live if you didn't slit your wrists? Uh, a decade ago. Um, so the key the key element for me is always chart driven. So people, most people are going to have a problem hearing me say that. Um, you will sometimes get your reason. If the chart is perfect, and I have lots of criteria, your chart can't be perfect easily for me. So we have a whole swathe of criteria. Uh, you know, I'll give you an example. Um, this is a UK audience I'm expecting um, with you guys quite predominant, although probably uh, all over the world. There's Merseyside Docks and Harbour uh, had a setup. I had a perfect setup. I showed up and there was an Advin board, ADVFN, and people were talking about it. I thought, let me just find out a little bit about the fundamentals on this, because this thing's set and ready to go. And I know nothing apart from what the name tells me. Um, and I went in and said, hey, what's up? And, you know, just to polite discourse uh, and got some information of whatever, whatever. I went and put on a trade on uh, Merseyside Docks and Harbors. And the guy said, no, you're too early. You shouldn't be doing that. The fundamental, this has to be done. That has to be done. Uh, I think you'll uh, get burnt, but never mind. Um, it's not right and it's badly run. Blah, blah, blah. All the reasons under the sun why something was awful. Uh, nonetheless, being the stubborn and pretty uh, confident in method person, not conviction, confident in method and happy to manage the loss if I was inaccurate, I took the trade. What ended up happening is very shortly, just after it mildly triggered, very shortly a merger and acquisition was announced that it was going to be bought. It gapped straight up to my stop. I was taken out and I was completely filled with a very high RRR trade, which is why I like the structure. Everyone else suddenly, hey, I, I didn't even know that it had happened because I wasn't watching the news wires. I hadn't added it to, you know, to monitor the news. I came back on the Advin board. I was in and out. I'd taken a bundle. I said, that worked well. What was uh, what was the news? Good earnings or what? No, no, no. It was a merger. So I actually found out the reason why I had a huge trade. So I said, okay, well, that's great. It was a merger was announced. Some of those people then climbed into the trade after a huge gap um, at my targeting level because they'd been watching it, they'd wanted to be in it. Now they're a bit FOMO. They're going to have to pay more, all of this. The whole merger got disallowed, canned and thrown away. It came all the way back down, filled the gap and went back down. So people that fundamentally, to a T, all knew way more than me about that, that business ended up buying my target and eating the elevator all the way back down on a trade that I took massive amount of R's out of without knowing a goddamn thing about the company apart from the fact of uh, it's probably got something to do with Liverpool and a dock and a harbor. Um, so that's a narrative I give. I'm not, I'm not making a case for ignorance, don't get me wrong, but the trade is the detail that you've got to have. A stop, an entry, and a take profit. And I would have taken a managed loss if I was wrong, and it would have been one R versus the, the number of R's I got for being right. So uh, I'm afraid that's one of many lessons that I can give. That's not in that instance I was a hero. I've got many wrong as well. I can give examples of that. But the the, the key element is I now only take uh, based on the setup in the market because you've got to know three things. Where am I in? that I think the move is a just-in-time move. Where do I accept I'm inaccurate, stroke wrong? I try to use wrong less and right. There's a lot of ego invested in those words. So we talk about accuracy, we snipers after all. Inaccurate, and where do I accept that I'm taking off and I've had a good run? People have watched money wash into their accounts and wash back out for a lack of targets. There is no risk-reward if you don't take off. These are concepts that people need to understand that are traders, and they even apply to investors. 
with long-term moves. People have watched money wash in and wash out. Ask BlackBerry, ask the Apple holders that sold the bottom after the first boom in Apple and the BlackBerry sellers that have just shown huge moon charts. And it's been years of trips, round tripping all the way back around. It must be soul destroying. I couldn't live with that psychologically. So that's a key message as well for traders, in my opinion. Yeah. So broadly speaking, in terms of the equity markets, because I think that's something that the majority of people would be interested in. Do you think yes. that do you think there's more upside when it comes to say the American yes. markets and the European markets, or are they overvalued and and ready to turn? I'm most best equipped to speak on the American markets, um, but generally, generally, my opinion is equity is going to, and this is goes against absolutely everything. There's ridiculous valuation. You know it. I know it. We all know it. That doesn't mean, again, this is a macro trend. That doesn't mean buy the NASDAQ right this second. You've just had a major move up from 14,000 NASDAQ to 16,400 that is now potentially in a corrective phase. The problem people don't get is that we are in, in my worldview, at a macro level, a highly inflationary period. It's a masked inflation, but it's highly inflation. They will tell you Robusta Coffee is up because of green issues. There were fires in Brazil. They will tell you that oil price is up because of supply chain. Uh, someone parked a, a, a tanker in uh, the Suez Canal the wrong way around or horizontally. Um, they will tell you everything is up because of COVID uh, lockdowns and, and subsequent uh, moves, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Those are narratives you're going to get thrown at you. Those are the political and the Bloomberg narratives. I even saw Time magazine and Bloomberg saying American shoppers are responsible for supply chain shortages, online shopping. They will blame and cast dispersions and misinformation on every single level. The key reason prices are going up is because we're in an inflation game where, and let's be clear, what is inflation? The proliferation of fiat, not movement in prices. That's a symptom of inflation. The absolute proliferation of fiat repetitively to the point that America increased their total money in circulation in a single year by 25% compared to all other years going back to the very existence of the dollar in a single year. So and a lot of that came offshore. That is fiat proliferation. That means everybody's house price should have gone up 25%, and in many instances did, and in some of the better zones even more. There is so much hot money. This is how they enrich the billionaire class. The asset holders get richer with ever-going inflation, spending worthless fiat that's lent to them at very ridiculously low rates because we do not have true monetary policy to reflect the amount of money that is being created. And the middle class and the poor class become UBI dependents of a, of a central bank digital token issued by a global world uh, conspiring against its citizenry. That okay. is actually my model. And as far out and as weird as that will sound to people, this is what's happening. The Fed will say repeatedly, hey, we care about the, 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 the income inequality. It's terrible. It's not what they say. It's exactly what they do. So with that, in, with that in mind, uh, Francis, what, do you have a view in relation to the interest rate market, i.e. basically bonds? Because it seems to me yes. that the, the Fed and central banks generally throughout the G7 have completely lost control of the market now. They can't cut rates and they can't raise rates, so they are completely stuffed. Yes, yeah, so bonds are going to be in a perpetual, sustained, 
multi-decade negative yielding environment when you take a true inflationary uh, element into amount, even by the, the fake stat that is controlled by government. So if you talk about the American biggest economy, you should follow John Williams of Shadow Stats, who mm. does a calculation based on um, 1982 Ronald Reagan's number of a basket of goods. There's all sorts of shenanigans like shrinkflation that is basically retailers packaging things to look almost the same size, but are 30% smaller uh, that are at the same pricing level that masks inflationary costs, all sorts of aspects and uh, chicanery and chicory uh, that are going on down there. But we are in a, an inflationary environment. Absolutely. And if we pivot to the bond markets, we are known and this is something we've said, but the bond market interest rates should be substantially higher. They aren't. They're going to be negative yielding for a substantial period. And we are on record uh, on this as, a, as I move to some bond charts. And this is just to give you context on this overall game. My, uh, I mention often that my brother was a qualified actuary, ended up working as a bond manager in uh, the, the city of London, which might be something you can relate to as a, with your UK audience. And I'm sure some of you are in the city. Um and essentially, his career spanned 81 right the way through. And he now had essentially through his entire working career, he's retired now, um, and his entire working career was a bond bull market of uh, falling rates. This is the high of 1st September, which saw Faulkner push the rates to around about 16%. That's, 19, that's 1980. So what we've got is a chart uh, which is going from top left to bottom right as yields have dropped. Uh, there's, you know, multi-decade um, Correct. bull market, yeah, for our, for our listeners. Yeah. From 1981 to current. And what I've done, uh, the visual of this chart also will be helpful if the guys get time to sub your channel, is I put it on a log scale. And we saw how you had a blow off in rates for the end of the bull, uh, bull market in yields and the bear market in bonds into 1981. And I've also highlighted the extremity when you put it in log scale. Log scale is what percentage change this has happened. At the pandemic lows, you actually traded 0.3 and you're now at 1.431. So in percentage terms as a multiple, you've gone up an extensive amount. And as I've said before, and I'll reiterate, trends end, uh, bull trends end in blow-offs and um, bear trends end, this is of the yield, bear trend, end in capitulations. And your events of March 2020 was the final capitulation and we turned absolutely bearish on bonds long before anybody in, in the midst of lockdowns. We said that is it for the bond market. That was more than 18 months ago now and no one was talking like that. Everyone was talking deflation because, of course, the demand had been absolutely killed. So what you actually have is a situation where they've done such infla inf inflationary things that you've had a masking pandemic cause such reduction in demand that um, mimicked or hid the degree of inflationary effect that now as you get any element of return to normal, and when I say normal, it's not normal like it once was. SMEs have been crushed. Um, restaurants have been closed in many places. Uh, it's not normal like it once was. But even on some improvement from the extremities of those lows towards normal, you are already seeing outlier at 8.6% producer inflation in, uh, in, in America as a number. That's what they're admitting to. That is a, through a government-issued body for uh, statistics. And they're trying to claim in retail that veal and meat went down 10 
10%. I mean, it's just unbelievable statements. You mentioned fake news. I don't want to go into all of that. People can decide what they want to assess, take factual for themselves. They're big enough. But this chart is very, very telling. If we go to the actual capital value that's away from yields, they will lag on upping the yields, though. The key point for Tim in his question is they are utterly going to lag, which means it's going to be the worst performing asset class. Anybody holding bonds, and I can tell you by virtue of your government pension or your your life assurance provider, whether it's um, you know it's Scottish Life or uh, Scottish Widows or any of the brands in the UK, their Standard Life, uh, you are probably stuffed if you have a smooth with profits. Uh, such a lovely phrase there to sell such an awful product. You're probably rammed to the hilt with uh, useless, low-quality government debt that's going to hopelessly underperform, play insufficient yield. We're looking at a pension crisis, uh, almost certainly in most nations, and that's why I think we will have a reset collapse, where actually pension policies will be rendered largely uh, low value. State pensions, where they needed better interest rates, don't forget, We've got a large body of people that are retiring, um, elderly class that are retiring and are been paying all their lives that need a smaller body of people for which earnings have been greatly diminished to pay their pension um, in an environment where bonds are actually yielding negatively. Pensions have to chase risk right now. They should be buying Bitcoin. They should be buying cryptos and spinning the wheel for the best, highest um, moonshots they could possibly hope for. Um, the truth is they're not moving fast enough. You look at any actuary, you look at any, including the Americans' own government statistic departments that says they will run out of money in the early 2030s on their Medicaid, social welfare, and their pension schemes, their state-based ones. So, I mean, they, they, the reset isn't an option. It's required. And we are trading reset like it's an absolute God-given fact that it's happening. And I think people are going to get reneged on on their state pensions, and they're going to be reversed into a UBI uh, contract, which replaces your pensions, and they will roll out this product. But then the product will also come with all sorts of circumstances, such as passports, uh, vaccination requirements, etc. Um, so, you know, you're going to be reversed into uh, something you never signed up for. That's for sure. And we say, but who could have seen this black swan event? Da, 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 da. Greenspan said that about the man who cut interest rates at every possibility, then complained of irrational exuberance in 96. By the way, the Fed came out and said uh, some statements, yeah, risk assets have got too highly priced. That to me is the 96 version of irrational exuberance. We topped out in 2021 at the end, uh, my apologies, 20, uh, 2001. The, after the two in the year of 2000 going into 2001 January March you topped out uh, in terms of that so they are establishing alibi to say yes we warned that this was getting hot and they'll warn many times before and they'll warn 10 or 12 more times they know that both they and the rest of their billionaire classes are becoming ever richer and they'll be holding till very close to the last moment and you could have another four years of people warning you how overvalued the equity market is at least you get a, a dividend yield uh, money that's in the bond market is huge. It's second only to the FX markets. It's got to run somewhere. People are realizing that it's going to be a net underperformer for multiple decades. Uh, I'm even expecting that it could get that bad 
You have to consider the possibility. Many people will hear, man, you thought of things I wouldn't even think is possible. Well, you've got to consider all potentialities. Um, gold and silver almost underperforming these circumstances immensely. I think it's going to be the wrong, wrong trade until suddenly it's the very, very right trade again. I've, we've called that there's a um, this pullback period is over. And when it gets too right and too many people are shuffling in there, I think you won't be able to buy anymore. And then eventually they could even say to those that did buy that they no longer can consider it legal. Don't forget it's happened already in the America. The draconian control that has been executed in terms of this pandemic uh, it meets new highs of totalitarianism in terms of what I've seen in Australia, Canada and everything. Um, you, you should make the investment, but you should contemplate the fact that uh, government might even ask for it back. Uh, off you and pay you in some central bank digital token that they've created that will buy you a certain amount of whatevers. If they want civil, if they want civil war, that would be a good way of bringing it about. Well, we should be at a civil war already, Tim. That's a sad part. So That's but, a sad part. Just before we go down uh, that particular path, I just wanted just to stay on the inflation uh, topic. The there's been a lot of talk with Kathy Woods saying that she thinks that the that the outlook is going to be deflationary and the reason for that is because of the the Chinese stock market collapsing and and the potential for that to go further and that's set against uh, Michael Burry of the big short fame saying completely the opposite so they, they, there's two diametrically opposed kind of views from those analysts not that that's necessarily anything to to um, you know everyone should make up their own mind but I think it's quite interesting that you've got those two now you mentioned Kathy Woods before and I I, I without going back to the tape and listening to what you said, you made some comment about why she might be saying what she's saying. So I'm just interested on in your I view. I see her as a bit of an outrider to help the Fed. Yeah. Okay. So it's okay. kind of like Paul Krugman as an economist, I see. the kind of comments that he'll make as well. Um, these are There are sort of government-controlled outriders. He's an academic, so invariably you're an employee of the uh, government, dark government, etc. Okay. Um, but Kathy Wood will be there to put a countervailing view and they'll put her forward and give her immense coverage to try and mask the uh, unanimous nature of people's otherwise correctly uh, taken concerns around inflationary factors. Interesting, um, interesting. And, and so uh, to me, that's how I uh, see it. You mentioned both her and Michael Burry. So I wholly disagree with her um, on the inflation argument and her case for why she said she was a big inflationist when they first did QE and it never came. Well, there was a key reason um, why uh, inflation never came. She talked about it in, um, I think, the first time they did QE and they kept saying, oh, we just can't seem to create inflation. It's an absolute nonsense. They weren't creating inflation. We've been in uh, pretty reasonable inflation all the time. But what they what we had, it's kind of like the guy who put forward the, uh, by the way, I don't have, I'm not putting forward a climate change theory. I'm not a big fan of them. Um, but there was a guy that said during 9-11 when there were no planes in the air, um, the temperature was statistically significantly warmer because the pollutants uh, weren't there. He previously spoke of global dimming as being a countervailing force to count uh, global warming. Um, and uh, when we had 9-11, he was statistically proven, they say, to be correct. Um, now, the whole point of that is that you had pollutants in the sky bouncing off heat. So you, you were getting the one force that was heating the economy and you were getting the other force that was naturally, naturally deflating 
the demand inside the economy. During 2008 and all the years that followed, we actually went into a global depression that was never acknowledged. In fact, for the UK specifically, uh, so many people know the definition of a recession. Nobody seems to know the definition of a depression. The definition of a deep depression, um, and if you Google for this, you'll find it, um, or better duck, duck, go for it, should I say, um, is two years of, of negative uh, growth plus systemic financial failure. In fact, the UK manufactured a stat where they did a 0.1% quarter um, which was deemed positive in an otherwise negative two years, which was uh, government fakery for me. So technically, we not only met the criteria of two years of absolute devastation, we also had financial bailouts that include Lloyds Bank, that included uh, Northern Rock, as you're probably aware, making um, depositors whole there, that included uh, Royal Bank of Scotland Group and all their acquisitions that they rushed through, rushed through at a shotgun level, which included BMP Paribas and a number of Dutch banks, et cetera, et cetera. So it was an, an absolute definition that met the criteria. So in the essence, where someone was printing QE into the teeth of a major, major depression that will be known in future looking back as the truth, as a depression. Um, you had such a degree of pollutants in the air bouncing off this period of hot sun, um, which was the QE, uh, to the degree that they netted off each other. And I want to just make a point about this. When I discuss this topic and I explain it, um, if I'm a, as a father playing with my four-year-old uh, son pulling my arm on one side and my five-year-old equally strong daughter pulling my other arm and we're just playing in the garden and they're hanging off it, I'm fine. I'm in balance. The left force is meeting the right force and it's balanced. To uh, to say that, so essentially the economy was also balanced during this period because you were masking the inflationary effect with such a deflationary forces that was essentially a depression. Everyone's houses halved in value. They were spending less. They went, uh, they bought less. Uh, many of them lost their jobs. They earned less. They worked harder. Um, they were still paying um, high levels of tax. All of these things. Now, if I have a a, a tractor with 1,500 newton meters of torque and a combine harvester that's got my ankles uh, also with 1,500 newton meters of torque, you would argue you're still in balance. But in terms of me and my existence, um, the balance is not a pleasant balance to be in. And it's only a few minutes before my arms come out of my sockets and my uh, my lower limbs are pulled out of the pelvis as a result of these two forces acting on me. So what actually happened is you had a very high tension, high pressured environment of orchestrated balance by two incredibly powerful conflicting uh, forces that canceled each other out for a period. As we started to get some semblance of minor recovery, um, these things started to go out of balance and hence these things are coming. So her complete lack of acknowledgement, so just to say we, we did a lot of QE, we never got inflation, that's it, clearly we're gonna have deflation now, because technology is an exponential thing and it's gonna be deflationary. Yes, technology is an exponential age, there's gonna be a huge, I agree on that one point, but it's not going to lead uh, to deflation. You've got to understand the banking cartel does not desire deflation. Guess what? You buy more with your currency and you, your wages can potentially reduce or stay static. All their tricks and chicanery of extraction are based on an inflationary environment, marginal tax brackets, bracket creep, uh, all forms of capital gains and everything else. You will never get a deflationary environment globally. It does not serve the extractors. They're talking about tax on unrealized gains in this environment. This is extraction per, per 
un it's absolutely unforeseen. It is such a perversion. I do feel that we are in Alice in Wonderland in all of these uh, narratives, and it's being pursued by a certain Ron Wyden, an Oregon Democrat, no doubt. Um, and it's, it's an absolute perversion. Technically, you could have a situation and just apply this to Bitcoin. I've made this point on my Reset Sniper channel, which is a bit too black pill to survive on YouTube. And it's on Odyssey, if anyone cares, um, where I said, if you had that tax, remember, Bitcoin topped out in 2017 at 20K. If they showed up within near 40% at 37.5, 40% gains, they would submit to you an invoice if you'd bought for $1,000. 10 Bitcoin for uh, uh, $1,000, you would have spent 10 grand. You would have been worth at 20K. That moment when it traded 20K December, you would have received your mark to market tax invoice for having made uh, $190,000. You would receive a 40% tax invoice that would probably be due paid sometime the next year. Later, that Bitcoin is trading down at uh, 3,200 in that very same year, you come due to pay your capital gains invoice. They won't give you a new mark to market until the following year, you've yet to pay your tax on it. You owe them 40% of 190 grand. You're talking about $80,000 odd. You would have to then sell the original asset that generated that bill, where you would get 32,000 of it. You would then owe them another $48,000 in arrears tax on a capital gain that wasn't yet realized you would now be without any bitcoin for the subsequent float up recovery you would not have participated in this run up to the 60000 you had been in debt on your credit card or your bank overdraft at 9 10% to the government for 48 grand and then they'd probably give you a tax credit the next year when in that december of the same year let me pivot to bitcoin and i'll tell you what it was the year later because it was still the end of the bull market they will give you a credit against future capital gains inside of that asset class only so you wouldn't even probably be able to net it off against gains that you made on your property all these unrealized um, tax uh, initiatives are not only a tax an utmost to hollow out the middle class into owning nothing. You will become forced sellers of assets that you have not even realized profits on. And it is about secrecy and privacy more than tax. Why? Because to implement these things, to know how much you paid for your house and at what price you got out, to know every stock you own and how much you paid, they will have to, they being the dark state and government, will have to know every entry point that you've made and they will therefore be plugged into every brokerage account, every spread bet account, every property transaction. They will need it to be automated. This is why I say blockchain and property is coming. What you paid, what's in it. There was uh, Vitalik Buterin of Ethereum that said, uh, was with a Chicago professor, another Sabatian Frankist that I call, um, that says you should have your property registered. You should state your value, pay your wealth tax on it. And if you understate it, you can be forced into an immediate sale at the price that you state. This is the new law. And you think this is an accident that you get the World Economic Forum, you will own nothing. You'll be, you'll be forced to put a mark-to-market price out on people that can print up tokens and buy you out at almost any price on, your, on all your assets. And the capital gains, they will get charge you real-time on blockchain that will take money at source on gains you have yet to receive on a God-given date that could see you become a forced seller just to meet it, even in a drawdown so that you have a credit against future capital gains with money you no longer have to invest. This is absolute 
absolute highway robbery and theft. The world has lost its mind. These clowns are dictating. They need cutting back to size. They've got way too much power. I feel we've gone too far. There's too many people. You talk about civil rights and people taking their pitchforks. Where are they? Do they not understand what's happening? We should have already brought governments. We should have heads on sticks with their eyes gouged out. It hasn't happened, Tim. That's the problem. It hasn't happened. People are inoculated. They are numb. And I use that word with real reason, with multiple um, uh, aspects. They're inoculated and numb. They're running and hiding. Everyone's looking for which country is less bad. No one is fighting. No one is fighting. Marching in the streets does nothing. The cops have become the bouncers for a fascist state. It is an absolute, absolute horrific period that we, but, but we people are, are people are waking up every day so i think uh, as as long as time time is on uh, is on the side of the people who are going to resist i appreciate it's not happening yet but it will happen i have every confidence that it will it's just, it's going to take time because there's not a lot of people who are sleepwalking through this crisis well waking up and doing water moaning on 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 facebook that's your little primal scream of i think room. i think the way i would i would i would personally do and i'm unfortunately gonna have to bow out now but please please do go on with, with my blessings i think the way i would do it i would conduct a concerted global boycott of all of the world economic forum's major sponsors and see how they like them apples but uh, the problem is everyone is sponsoring them yeah well this is the issue it's, it's, such, it's such a it's such a a broad con well let's use the phrase conspiracy even though it's a conspiracy in plain sight yeah yeah, no, I mean, I, I applaud the idea and I applaud the notion of ideas. Um, but, you know, we should be doing all that on the communist funded Black Lives Group. We should be doing all this. They're sportsmen, but uh, people aren't doing it. People are kneeling in uh, football matches still in the UK to essentially a Marxist funded organization. And I'm all for the kick it out, uh, the, the racism out that they had prior to that. And uh, I'm dis I find it disgusting when England players go to other nations. So this is not a, a race statement. It is uh, recognizing who the funding and what the, the macro gender is. And it's a divide and con conquer construct. But not enough people are seeing it. Not enough people are taking action. And, and I appear on these shows to appeal to people to take action. And action isn't just screaming um, on your, your Facebook group uh, to other people that scream back. Um, unfortunately, you need passive uh, and active resistance to these mechanisms, right from, I, I, you know, I make people tell me to wear masks, um, I avoid doing various things, I make it difficult for them, uh, I, I tell people at work, my home, that they can come unmasked, uh, you've got to do all sorts of little things every day, uh, and you, you still aren't doing enough, and uh, I'm, a, I'm afraid for our future, I've never been more afraid for our future, but I can tell you there is optimism, there's real wealth that can be built, and I'd rather be a rich slave than a poor slave. And I can see where this 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 game is going and where it ends. And what people should do is position accordingly to benefit out of this and at the same time resist. So you've got to unfortunately back the winning horse at the moment and at the same time uh, almost wish for it not to win, if that makes the case, and do all you can to give real, true, libertarian and freedom um, the best chance it has. But it's dark times. That, that does make perfect sense i know what you're saying it's like a like betting against your football team and and uh going to the match and hoping that they win of course um so with regard to protecting yourself do you see that in obviously in an inflationary environment you'd expect all cryptocurrencies to be going up there's been some debate 
um, certainly on our channel, and, and we will continue this in the future, about whether Bitcoin is the technology, Ethereum's the technology, maybe they're all the technologies, and it's just like um, the stock market, and you, you, you pay your money, you take your choice. Um, yeah. do, do you have any opinion on, on which technologies might be the best ones going forward, um, or and which ones might be more prone to uh you talked about privacy obviously bitcoin isn't private and many people think that it is but of course it isn't there are no. other privacy coins out there like monero and dero um do, do you think those are the ones that we should be looking at um if if not for if, from if a i was getting my ideal world yeah, yeah in terms of so i think the question if i can uh, paraphrase it and just tell me if i've nailed it is which tokens uh representing which technologies uh, will appreciate best yeah, I mean, versus what, what, what which, I'm which saying, tokens will best serve the libertarian cause best. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying there's two things here. There's one is you've got to protect your wealth and make money, and that, that might be buying all the coins. And the other one is, well, actually, which ones will become more desirable given that people are looking for security and, and privacy? And, and yeah. you, you mentioned the, the, you know, the gold being um, confiscated by the government. It's quite possible that they could do the same potentially with a with a cryptocurrency. They could declare it illegal. It's easier so, yeah. to do this with electronic control uh, currencies on a blockchain. Yeah. In fact, they could even orchestrate to hack and take it all off you anyway, and not even make you think that it's government generated or dark state generated. All the best hackers and all are, are already hired and working in. The, the the various state nations of China, America, and Russia, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this notion that there's these un-nationalized uh, uh, agencies of hackers that aren't uh, in a formalized agency of dark state of some form is, is, doesn't exist. Um, so to let me try to answer the tokens. Token, I, 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 I trade or position invest for growth on the basis of um, wealth is, is is some element of a partial freedom ticket. Um, then uh, in terms of use case for privacy, uh, I would most like to see the likes of a certain privacy tokens doing very well, but they are lagging intentionally. Which ones do you think? Do, do we think that the government wants you to have really uh, go, uh, coin go up on privacy tokens and everybody rushing in. Not unless they already have the backdoor key to those privacy tokens and already control the uh, the access to them, in which case you're just putting a red flag on yourself. It's kind of like going to your accountant and talking about offshore strategies uh, to avoid tax in the UK. Okay, and he's reporting straight back to the government. This guy's talking to me about this. This, you know, this transaction he submitted is part of something I think that is uh, under the radar. So, uh, the Fluffy Pony, which is a South African-based Eastern Cape um, character that was very instrumental in the setup of Monero, one of the most largest and known um, uh, privacy tokens. Uh, makes it real difficult for people to track um, generally. He was seized whilst passing through America on account of a commercial case that he had a grievance with a former employer um, regarding license. Since when has American FBI become an enforcement AG for a civil case 
between two South Africans, a South African and a South African entity, which was of employment of 10 years ago. Well, he was kept in custody for quite an extended time. Um, you know how it goes with these guys. If you, if you know, if you, if you, I expect every president gets to see uh, the real of the real wheel of President Kennedy driving down, um, you know, in Dallas. Uh, and then is asked after they've seen the head go backwards and his face largely be ripped off any questions um, so that they know who their boss is. I think he would have had a, uh, a chat like that. So you don't know what's compromised and what isn't and what the vagaries is. And could you just be red flagging yourself? So my approach is the following. If I was doing a once off transaction that I needed to be super secretive um, and, uh, you know, let's say the whole world's gone mad and there's one freedom land uh, in the middle of somewhere and I need to get a plane ticket out type scenario. This is a little bit fantastical, I'm sure most will agree. I would prefer to use privacy tokens on the base that I have no profile of owning them or holding them. Um, and it, it could buy me the secrecy that I could need to get me that one final trip. Um, do I want to be actively regularly um, doing it? You get make one step wrong, you get a flag put on you, you get watched, you get surveilled. We're all being surveilled, scored anyway by AI and bots, almost certainly in terms of social profile and everything. Biometrics are coming. I mean, the, the three the three big concepts or central business digital tokens are absolutely coming. They can have exploding or negative interest rate values. So you can use it or lose it. So they can create heat uh, in an economy uh, and uh, control that so that it doesn't get invested. They'll be able to control what it gets spent on. Carsten's the, the biggest man in the central banking world that I've ever seen, who clearly ate all the pies, tells you that in as many words. You can have a look at that clip on YouTube. Then you get uh, the biometrics and ID passports. This is absolutely here for a reason. People can say whatever they want about whatever the pandemic is. The intention was always to bring movement controls, geolocation. Tesla is a movement lo control. There's cameras forwards, there's cameras inwards on the driver. They they can confirm it's you and confirm your movement. You can be confirmed, geolocated. Every citizen will be potentially tracked on a dot on a board as easily as sin. Um, Wouldn't that be better so that, to be done on a phone rather than a car, though? Because you, you can already they, do that They do now. it with both. They, yeah. they also need to know that it's you because the, the phone can take a picture of your face if you look at it, if you only use biometrics to enter, but not everybody is doing that. Um, if you've got a camera and a face, you can you can actually iris scan, you can do the whole thing, the geometry and all of that. So there's multiple ways that they want to make sure that they've absolutely got you and tracked you. So it's passports, freedom of movement, geolocation. It's the central bank uh, digital token. And then, um, you, you know, it's uh, extraction. It's, it's rental extraction. It's real time taxation. It is all of these principles. And that's how you will end up owning nothing. I mean, I make the point on taxation. Um, if you double a dollar 20, 20 years in a row, um, you're at over a million dollars. So that means you start with a dollar, end of year two, end of year one, you're at two dollars, end of year uh, two, you're at four dollars. If you double a dollar every year and you pay 30% of tax, so you at the end of the year, you double a dollar, you make a dollar, you then take 30 cents and you have 70 cents. You double $1.70 and you then pay 30 cents again on the, the 170 that you made, 30% of the 170 you made. What do you think you get to at the end of the 20 years as a number? Uh, yeah, I've done this with um, clients before and it's like some huge number. I mean, actually, without taking... No, it's not a huge number at all. What is it's it? Not, not the... Oh, oh, I was thinking of the, you know, the grains of sand on the, uh, or grains of rice on the checkerboard. No, 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 no. no, no. Oh, yeah, oh no, so this no. is, it's because of the 30% 
the thirty percent taking the hundred, yeah, taking thirty yeah, percent so of the hundred percent growth every but, time. Yeah, that early, will knock it back. Yeah, yeah. It sets the compounding back so much. One of the greatest inventions is compound interest. Warren yeah. Buffett will tell you everything is designed to put you on the wrong side of a compound interest uh, equation. They will keep you working practically for the system and the machine for as long as possible without being able to be uh, a healthy, rested retiree early in your life. And the way they do that is putting you on the wrong side of a compound interest equation. So if you double your dollar 20 years, you're a millionaire. If you double it and pay 30% at the end of it, you have 22000 or $24,000. Right. I can't remember exactly. And that's an absolutely, in terms of multiple, huge. Now, when you add all the taxes, indirect taxes, capital gains, death taxes, every other tax, everybody's duty should be to defund this criminal cartel of extractors that are creating inflation, that are going to drag you into ever higher marginal tax rates, uh, that are going to now start taxing you on profits you've yet to realize potentially, and all other ways at which they keep you poor. That is power of money. They will never let you have your own money and they will put you on the wrong side of a compound interest equation. You need to build wealth and you need to minimize those extraction mechanisms and we are going full extraction. And when you own nothing, that means you are paying rent to live, you're paying rent to get a drive down to the pub, you're paying rent on a car you will never own to go everywhere. You will truly own nothing. That was not some uh, concept document written by some low-level uh, Denmark graduate as that English member who supports Norwich City for the World Economic Forum reported that it was just you know, a thought concept and everyone latched onto it. These guys are telling you how they're going to rape you and they're coming and everything that is happening is validating that. Um, how do you think they will actually stop? And you're, you're talking about in terms of money and, and taxation as to how it will we will be prevented or people will be prevented in the future from owning anything. But how do you think it will actually physically manifest itself? I mean, because of course people want to own their own car, whether, whether you can get in an automated Tesla and it, it's convenient. And to be honest, I, th I think in a, living in a city like London, if there was an, uh, the AI technology that would allow a car to come and pick you up and take you, you know, to your office and there was another car that would take you home and it was, it, it was cheap, then, and efficient and uh, you know there are occasions where normal transport it could work quite well now there are other occasions where you want to go with your family especially when you've got a family you would just want to jump in a car and and you know drive to the coast and have a nice day out and you don't necessarily want to um you know pick up one of these these other cars these electric cars which may not even be able to make it and wouldn't have the room for the luggage and, and the bikes that you want to add to it so there's practical problems with that that make you want to own your own car but how do you think they will actually stop people um, owning things? Uh, it's quite easy. So first of all, you taper it, you make it expensive. You make it expensive, you add carbon taxes, you make it more and more expensive, and you provide a viable alternative option. The attractiveness mm. you were describing in London, they'll start urbanizing, you make it cool, just like Leonardo DiCaprio was driving in a Tesla if he ever drove the damn thing, apart from once to a premier. Um, they they get, get all their created heroes to do these new cool things. You've already had elongated muskiness talk about he'd be quite happy not to own any homes and all of this and all of these things. So you get these thought leaders that are cool and trendy and doing amazing things and leading the revolution. You know, it's always a revolution. Inherently, there's always got to be a revolution of some sort. Um, and they'll, they'll push them, they'll make them cool, they'll associate it uh, with that urban areas, there will be a genuine reason, like you described, I lived in London too, um, 
driving and maintaining your own car, which only you use occasionally. Um, it's actually almost convenient and you have self-taxied uh, stuff. But uh, the point is those urban areas are created like that and they will be the, the thin edge of a wedge. So often things are done that initially are highly convenient. Having your phone carrying around with you and not actually having a fixed line at your home and otherwise not being with a phone when you went around was kind of inconvenient. Um, so the, the the first on-ramp is always going to be convenience. Yeah. It's always going to be convenience, but that doesn't mean what you get with it is passive, opaque, uh, I mean, transparent and not working against you. So everything that's convenient is usually working against you. Um, that is being introduced as a new technology. We're, we're already saying we're actually already point. Yeah, so we're actually already seeing that with in terms of there's the low emission zone that's um, that's expanding in in, in London. So it's a new new zone. So at some point you're going to have to pay a certain amount of money every day just to use your car. And I can see that obviously becoming worse and I can see pe people being forced down the electric route, whether they want it or not. And then I think they're going to switch the technology to hydrogen, which is much, much more likely to be a long term, sustainable and useful way. Uh, well, that's only if they do the right technological thing. You've got to bear in mind they're going to switch it to wherever they positioned. You know, batteries existed before Rockefeller and the, uh, and the, the oil. There Definitely. was a battery option of cars. Well, and my yeah. father worked on in the 70s on battery cars in Germany during the OPEC crisis. Every time it was killed. Yes. Every time it was killed because we weren't ready for it. Everyone we, we, thinks that Elon's the first guy to ever show up with an idea of battery. Well, go to the golf course and you'll, you'll get another thought. Well, they were floats. never allowed on the road. Milk floats. Um, so, I mean, it's just... We're allowing this technology for now, now that we've repositioned our book to benefit from it. Yeah. Um, these many, things it, could have been scaled, uh, advanced, charging, everything on batteries could be light years ahead. Wherever you invest your money, that's where you progress. We could have progressed. Instead, we had a military industrial complex uh, that was consuming an immense amount of money. We could be a lot greener and on batteries a lot longer ago, for, but for the Rockefeller industry of oils and the petrodollar, uh, which was a required axis of control for the existing um, uh, environment. Um, so, you know, um, we've, we've got to recognize that these people will uh, sell it to you on convenience and the technologies that win are the technologies that are decided to win. My father won a Shell Design Award for all sorts of things, carbon emplacements in joints and everything. And he'll tell you many of the best inventions were buried, bought by rivals that had a rival opposite product and buried. And that was the end of it. And you never heard of it again. Have you seen so, the I mean, document? I want hydrogen. You want hydrogen. But yeah. guess what? You've gone battery. And that requires lithium, rare earth minerals, uh, copper, more copper than a... a, um, a uh, a combustion engine, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, why don't we just go? When nuclear got killed for not being clean energy, now uranium is pumping. They killed it, oh, all because of Fukushima. Well, Fukushima wasn't the story you were told, uh, you thought it was told. It wasn't a failure. We don't have uh, Chernobyls and Fukushimas at all regularly, and Fukushima you should look into uh, outside of the normal web as to what actually went down there. Uranium um, and nuclear power has been uh, excellent power, and they crushed it. What, 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 do you feel, what do you feel actually happened in Fukushima? Because from what I understood, it was... It's a very long story, and I, I'll lose half your audience if I go into it, but I've had lots of very interesting uh, reports. Okay. First of all, you never have two um, meltdowns spontaneously uh, in two separately maintained. Uh, it's the probabilities of that are absurd. Um, third of all, the, the, you had American... Um, 
I remember, I forgot the nuclear company's name, pull out of Japan six months before. You had Israeli security cameras put in on it uh, and monitored uh, in the same year of the crisis. Um, if you speak to experts about the, the resulting damage and how it went about, you have to also know uh, that Japan was resisting quantitative easing at that point, and the yen was one of the strongest currencies. And in fact, the yen appreciated when that happened as opposed to depreciating when it happened. I traded it as and when it happened. They were put under pressure, and according to me, for uh, non-compliance. People that read the radiation in the ocean said there was a, a below-surface nuclear explosion. It could not have come from the reactors. That's why they were trying to flush seawater to tie up the narrative of leaking radiation from the nuclear reactors into the ocean. In other words, there was supposedly an earthquake. If you look at the property, there was no damage to the property when the swell came in. You may remember those incredible images where you see the swell washing into. There was no damage to any of the property. Why would there be no earthquake damage to a piece of land, but there was sufficient earthquake damage for two separately housed nuclear reactors to go off? There's a whole bunch of things. I haven't even got my all my facts together. You go and look into this. The, the truth never came out on uh, that whole story um, and there was a there was a subterranean that means below surface nuclear blast that was uh, released in my view and it's quite ironic that Japan has to have been the nation state that has faced both uh, versions Hiroshima and Nagasaki as well as this but anyway that, that's one for another day many won't uh, take to this challenge to their news team at all well um, your history is not what you think it is on many many levels you need to open up uh, your eyes to alternative uh, things especially where jots don't join up the Japanese are very very good um, and non-sloppy uh, uh, creators and managers of nuclear plants. This would absolutely not happen. It's totally different to uh, Chernobyl in Ukraine in a failing Russian state at, at all levels. Um, and, and, and you've got to also remember during that period, there was a lot of anti-Russia access and Russia was selling tales of its disarmed nuclear reactor in yellow cake to the world and had a deal with America to reproposition and buy uh, that. This all ties into the Iranian uh, the uranium market that we were talking about. Russia was under attack during that period, that same oil short that we called of, uh, of 14, January the 14th transpired. So Russia was being squeezed that they couldn't sell their yellow cake at decent prices. Oil was hit. Guess what? Their major, um, the main export was uh, energies in all of these things, plus gas prices were crashed. So you were getting yellow cake, gas, and oil, all falling simultaneously and a major pivot away from nuclear reactors. Germany quickly announced, we won't do uh, nuclear anymore. What's the clean energy that's going to come in and fill the gap between this ridiculous green? Now we've got everyone talking nuclear up again. But, 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 but Fukushima, um, what the hell happened? What the hell happened? I thought that was all bad. I thought we all uh, put a had a hand grenade tied to our temples with a pin waiting to be pulled out every time we did nuclear. It's the safest energy of the, uh, of, of the world. And now they're trying to rebrand it as such now that their geopolitical uh, initiatives of the moment were fulfilled by a series of events that they executed on. Uh, and then Japan went to QE and the yen went from being one of the strongest currencies. It went from 72 in the yen to up at uh, charging up to 130. Who knows what the truth is? I'm not telling you I know the truth. I just don't accept bullshit when it's fed to me and I'll ask questions. So uh, the whole concept uh, of what you think you know is, is is invariably wrong. And I admit it, most people don't, but I am interested in finding out some segments of it and you're not gonna find it on Google. 
um, or, in, or on YouTube for sure. You yeah. have to get real written uh, accounts. So there's a whole bunch of uh, narratives that come out of uh, that, that whole story. Uh, and there's plenty I haven't even had time to mention. If we were going to discuss this, I would have prepared better. Um, but just off the top of my head, rapid fire, you can, uh, you can have a couple of things uh, uh, out of that that went on. Um, but what were we, t uh, what, what was your uh, underlying, we sidebarred a bit here, you had a question that I hadn't answered, which was around security tokens, I think it was. Yeah, I, th I think you answered it, actually. Uh, I, I, what I'd like to ask next, and, and just just as just before we wrap up, because I think um, what we yeah, should really do, well. yeah, because what we should really do is uh, is do another one of these when I think we've at least put half a day to one side to cover all the topics. Um, but uh, the on the sub, you mentioned the yen, but on the subject of currencies, we talked about cryptocurrencies, but on the subject of actual currencies, which ones going forward do you think will be the the weakest, and which ones do you think will be? the strongest? Do you think the commodity currencies will benefit from the inflationary environment? Do you think the euro is going to collapse? Do you think the US dollar will collapse or do you think that will rally? Do you think the Swiss franc is is the, the will be the safe haven yes. that it's normally uh, uh, and, and the Japanese yen? Let me just handle that. But yeah. uh, I, during that time, I was sharing screen and I actually took a scrape of Monero that I haven't looked on in a while. Yeah. And I just want to finish that uh, just a that, second that's on right. it. Sure. It's, it is well set up for a, a, a major move, by the way. So yeah. you guys if that are looking for trades. It's uh, for the first time in a while. It's looking really well set up. This would be a major advance, mm. uh, Monero. And I would be a buyer quite soon at 298. Uh, or if you wanted early, you could get in on a pullback and you could have your stop at 248 and I would see off, this, uh, off the scale, the substantial geometry. Mm. Um, if they want to find out more, they can come uh, attend a trading day or uh, contact us. Now to your question on Forex. Um, so Forex. So Euro is in trouble. And I would say that with quite high confidence. Um, and the reason I do is because I have methodologies that consistently work to a high level of probability, uh, the euro is in trouble. I think the euro has taken the green agenda more seriously. Remember, America's outside of the Paris Accord. Um, this euro is going to sell off. This is what we call a, a double-headed uh, head and shoulder. That is the euro dollar. So the euro is going to lose to the dollar. You've already had a head and shoulder triggering event at 117. People should get out of the euro. Uh, Brits that have euro exposure should hedge it, buy it, uh, do something. Uh, European watchers should uh, get out the euro. This is against the dollar. We have a return move to that neckline. You can see it there. If I just grab the overlay draw, overlay draw again after that sell-off, um, there's a lot going on here. This is going to wind up. It's going low. It's going to go below 110. We even take a look at the dollar index just generally. Uh, I have sympathy for the long-term success of the dollar index, uh, the dollar milkshake theory that's proposed by a gentleman called Brent Johnson. Um, I think he's right. He just had the wrong timing. That what, means what, actually what's, what's we're going to fail what, financially we, on a dollar strengthening, not dollar weakening. That what, is the, what's uh, the dollar hypothesis. milkshake? I've not. I've heard of the the Big Mac index, but not the dollar milkshake. The dollar milkshake theory by Brent Johnson is that we actually fail out of the current forex. So at some point to cross over into this new pony. That is the crypto blockchain um, new financial system order that they are implementing on us, uh, whether we like it or not. Uh, we've also got to have a failure and a reason to say goodbye to the old systems. You've got to finish killing and slitting the throat of the old donkey mule. Um, this is the dollar index over a monthly chart that I'm showing. For those that are just listening only, it goes from 79. It shows a falling wedge of great scale with three impulses, all the things we do technically. So the market sniper part of me, the real technical analysis macro chart just is saying we need an upside break here for the dollar index. 
Actually, the Swiss franc in the more medium, short, medium will term is going to get a massive amount of benefit out of the euro losing ground. But the euro is going to suffer immensely with the dollar strength because there's that biaxial on off sort of binary relationship. We've broken out of that falling wedge and we're winding up and I think we break up. But it's going to be slow at first and then it's going to moon spike. Again, it's a bit like the precious metals. The key flipping event is when precious metals, Bitcoin, most of the, the top cryptos are all going up on a, a highly uh, strong pumping dollar that will starve and kill all the debt-based nations such as Turkey, South Africa, anyone who has too much dollar-denominated debt. And that will be the finishing of the emerging market crisis. The emerging currencies will fail first, the FX emergings, and you'll fail inwards along with the strength the dollar gets, but the euro will come under great stress. But more shorter term, if we just look at the euro-Swiss franc, um, we've already called two collapses in this currency on two separate occasions, um, and we've traded them. One was in 2009. I highlighted that this is a six-year interval, 1.5. 2009, at the end of the year, I went to South Africa, went on holiday. I had limit orders only. I was tripped in long. Target was made, major overperformance. You stopped just above parity from 1.5. That is epic for, for any currency. Then they came and put a block underneath it, which was not a peg. It was a floor because they didn't mind it rising, but they sure as hell made sure it didn't sink. They put a block under it, and I've just drawn the block for those that are visually watching. At the 1.2, we said there will be a failure soon here and that they'd walk. Just after Drog, he said, we'll do whatever it takes, and the euro is 1.4. We knew he was going to print, 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 and go the full full native on um, uh, currency proliferation. And the Swiss bank, three weeks after saying, that it's central, the floor was central to their policy, walked away from it again. Six years later, again at the end of the year for the failure to occur in January, January 2015, six years apart. Now, six years again, 2021, we're in 1st of October. Francis Hunt with inverted HVF methodology is calling the third, for the third time, a Swiss franc uh, major appreciation and a major devaluation in the euro to see you run 0.71, probably end up with some number in the sixes as an overshoot. Targets are run through, not stopped at. Uh, and that is to the downside on real key technical um, based squeeze and downside selling. And we have got more and more, and that is already triggered, and we are already short. So you're not arriving a, a minute too soon on this trade. Uh, Swiss franc to appreciate substantially against both the dollar, but especially against the euro in the short, medium term. Other major moves that will come in currency failure will be the Korean one and the Eastern currencies failing against the dollar. Again, macro chart, USD, uh, KRW, um, again, for the guys that are uh, audio only, a very spiker mental, very similar to what I showed you on BlackBerry and GameStop type structure. We rinse and repeat, become very good at doing one thing very well. And this is the USD Korean one, 2,101. Most people won't know the exchange rate. That represents almost a 50% devaluation. These can be traded. These can be traded. IG Index have it if you're in the UK um, and, and some other platforms. It's not the most common one. We're seeing the yen devalue further to 1.36 uh, and beyond on this, uh, very, again, a very similar structure um, with a, with squeezer mentals. It's also already in, in a breakout and we're already in it. So there's going to be a lot of currency uh, volatility coming in Sterling? the future. Uh, Sterling, I, uh, I don't have a particular setup that is technically driven, but I don't think uh, the dollar strength is going to hurt the pound. 
Um, but I'm not sure that they do as badly as the Eurozone. They often sit somewhere in the middle mm. of the camp. So the Eurozone is going to face real pressure. If you have a look at the British pound versus the dollar, it's actually, we've got it slightly, actually, I've got some analysis on here. Um, let's just have a look. Yeah, we're currently a bit bearish of it um, in terms of what I've drawn short, medium term. And it does look like it started a leg down. It did have a retrace. Uh, it looks a bit soft uh, against the dollar for me. But the dollar is one of those that are going to be slightly stronger than most in my worldview, with the franc being the main beneficiary, but the dollar being one of those strong. And later on into reset, the dollar gets a melt up. And that's totally counterintuitive. Because everybody sees debt creation by Americans and all of this da, 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 should go to zero. Go to zero against what? Against gold, silver and Bitcoin maybe, but not, not against other currencies that are all doing the same with international demand requiring new dollars created um, for their debts to pay off debts. If you've got everybody indebted in your currency and they have to pay you back with interest, they need more new dollars and they're all running deficits and they're not making anything. So guess what? They get further indebted to borrow and they get borrowing rolling. So the Triffin's dilemma, which we can explain in another series, is that you run deficits as the country with the uh, privilege of global currency units uh, and you export your currency to others so that they can afford to pay you back on the debt that they have in your denominated currency. And the economic hitman has made sure that large parts of the world are greatly indebted in Dollars, which is like the petrodollar system, only at a financial level instead of based on a commodity. And if you had to make a choice between the dollar and the Swiss franc, I know you're saying both would be strong. Which would would it be the dollar or which would it be? If we're in a beauty contest of blind women with one leg, um, <laughs> we have to marry one of them. Um, remembering that that's my position on fiat currencies as a whole. Yes, who is you. the least ugly of uh, uh, of the leper colony? Um, then the Swiss uh, the Swiss franc is due to outperform the dollar in our view. Yeah, so, especially gold uh, going up and silver, that they should be in bull markets as well, which would probably support the the Swiss franc, or could do. Yeah, it's a semi semi serious um, uh, on um, prudence. I say semi serious. Uh, in a in a crazy 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 world, but yeah. uh, yes. So so the outperformer for anybody wanting, if you have to hold fiat, just don't hold too much fiat. Yeah, these are setups that we have for the the Swiss franc to this. I've switched them. I've inverted the scale. Yeah. So this is the Swiss franc dollar rather than the dollar Swiss franc. Yeah. And this is an upside break. So you're going to ease a little bit. That doesn't mean this second, but then you break to the upside on what I'm drawing here. So again, this needs uh, some visual support, but we're showing a. Uh, falling wedge, rounding out, basing out, and now a nice little squeezy, squeezy Japanesey, as we call it, which is setting up an upside HVF for the franc going up against the dollar, which on the correct chart is actually a, a downward break for the USD Swiss franc. So the franc is the chosen one in the land of the one-legged, one-eyed uh, leper colony. Got you. That's yeah. fiat currencies. Brilliant. Well, look, Francis, um, we definitely want to have you back on um, in at least six before six months is out but you, you mentioned the six month time frame but hopefully it would be before then um because there's also so many other things we'd love to talk to you about unfortunately tim yeah. had to go to a client meeting so he's had to duck out 
But I yep, just want to say, I must go too. yeah, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Just before you go, could you just let everybody know how they find you, where they find you? You, you mentioned Odyssey. Give us your Twitter handles and, and all, the, all the best ways to get hold of you. Yeah, I appreciate that, that you give me that opportunity. The website to engage with us, to build wealth in reset times, and also to protect it against an over-draconian, far-reaching uh, dark state, governmental state of tax and extraction, is to is www.marketsingularsniper.com. So there's only one S in that. Um, the technical analysis training of traditional markets, oil, silver, gold, um, equities, indices, uh, FX is the same. It's at the market sniper and the crypto realm um, where we have been doing a lot uh, and have been doing very well is the crypto sniper. Um, for those that want reset content, which is a little bit black pilled, some of you might be feeling uncomfortable, a bit dystopian, a bit morbid. We talk about mood management and how it's all just a game. Watch it as a game. Have principles. Be moral. Be awesome yourself. That's all you can control. How you go about doing that, how you implement, add value to other people's lives, form community, take action. All depression or any other things that are negative mentally that you might have felt that I forced you to look at that was uncomfortable, um, whether I'm right, whether I'm wrong, etc. Go and take positive action for yourself. We've set up a community for that exact purpose. Uh, and there's a lot of very smart, awake people that are doing a variety of things that also gets into prepping of all varieties. Um, I certainly suggest getting de-urbanized generally because the grid will be especially strong in the highly dense um, areas. So, you know, it's not a time for city living for me, despite, you know, the cars being easier and all of what we were discussing. Um, so overall, uh, yeah, go, the, those are the handles. Odyssey is where I put my reset content. And it's again under the market sniper on Odyssey. So if you go to Odyssey, you are required for the reset content to buy a few library coins, all the other stuff that's on the other two YouTubes for free on there. The reason why we do that, you pay about $2 a video is to support decentralized media without censorship. That means I can uh, tell you exactly what I think without someone giving strikes to my channel, without someone taking it down. It's entirely decentralized. I choose Odyssey because it's blockchain and it's housed there. These others like Rumble and some of the others uh, will get bit shoot, they will get squeezed into compliance as the, the, the monster keeps bringing in and taking all mainstream corporates and telling them they can't host certain uh, content. Yeah. So that's for the reset content on Odyssey under the market sniper, where you will get all the other YouTube channels backed up as well as the reset specific, which is only put there. Thank you for having me. It was great spending time with you. Absolute pleasure. I think we might be joining you on that particular uh, platform as well in the future. But thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your energy and your honesty. And we really look forward to having you back. All the very best. Bye for now. Bye for now. Cheers. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Please do your own research or contact a professional advisor.